0: Good afternoon, thank you for attending today's Infusion Third Quarter Fiscal Year 2021 Earnings Call. My name is Tania. I will be your moderator for today's call. All lines will be muted during the presentation portion of the call with an opportunity for questions and answers at 10. If you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. I would now like to pass the conference over to our host, Brian Murphy. Please go ahead.
1: Good afternoon, and welcome to the Fusion Third Quarter Earnings Call. With we'll me today are Thomas Kim, CEO, and Steve Gordon, CFO. A complete disclosure of our results can be found in our press release issued earlier
2: today, which is available on the Investor Relations section of our website. Today's call has being recorded, and a replay will be available following the conclusion of the call. Comments made on this call may include extensive or implied forward looking statements relating to the company's financial results, operations, and performance, including expectations regarding market opportunity and market conditions, future financial results and drivers
1: thereof, products, customer demand, operations, and other matters. These statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions, and are based on management's current expectations as of today, September 2nd. 2021, and we undertake no obligation to update or revise these forward looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, circumstances, or otherwise. If this call is replayed or reviewed after today, the
3: information presented during the call may not contain current or accurate information. Therefore, these statements should not be relied upon as representing our views as of any
2: subsequent date. With that, we turn the call over to Thomas. CEO of Infusion. Thank you so much, Brian. Welcome to Infusion's third quarter financial results conference call. I would like to thank you all for joining us today and for your continued interest in our story. We're on a movement to transform the global investment management landscape with our mission critical cloud native staff software and technology power services. The movement is taking shape and as evidenced by our Q3 performance adding 59 new clients in the quarter and increasing our ARR to just below $120 million, which is a 49% increase from September 2020. Our community of investment managers spanning across alternative and institutional investment management who rely on us every day to efficiently power their portfolio management, trading, and middle and back office investment operations continues to grow surpassing 680 firms across the world as of September 30th, 2021. This is an exciting time for infusion. In Q3, we added two new independent directors, Jan Hauser and Kathleen DeRose, as a continued investment in our evolution as a public company. We are thrilled to share our third quarter results with you in detail, but before doing so, I think it may be helpful, given this is our first public earnings call, to spend some time providing an overview of the company and the industry that we're excited to serve. We believe in Fusion's durable business model and strategy that has led our annual recurring revenue to grow from $33.1 million for the month ended December 31st, 2017 to $93.4 million for the month ended December 31st, 2020, representing a compound annual growth rate of 41.4% is driven by two principles. One, deliver the most innovative and impactful, mission-critical, cloud-native, SaaS software and technology-powered services to solve investment managers, evolving to keep operational challenges, ultimately helping to improve their profitability, and two, deliver a world-class, differentiating client experience, which we have done as evidenced by our consistent net dollar retention rate of over 110%. These guiding principles permeate throughout our business, helping us address challenges faced by the management industry today. As the industry continues to grow with assets under management now exceeding $100 trillion, so has business and operational complexities. Whether from evolving investment strategies, heightened competition, evolving regulation, globalization, enhanced cyber security threats, and the need for better accessibility, to mission-critical technology, all of which drive investment managers to find more innovative ways to adapt and compete, such as heightened demand for solutions that create efficiency and unify investment management businesses. As a result, we believe Infusion's innovative and impactful end-to-end multi-tenant software, which is tightly coupled with technology-powered services, addresses these challenges and presents an opportunity for Infusion to capitalize from the industry's unprecedented pace of change and need for modernization. In fact, we believe the investment management industry is in the midst of a generational shift. Although technology can take the lead in solving many of these rapidly changing demands, most of the solutions available today fall short of helping investment managers seamlessly and holistically address their challenges. As a result, market participants are seeking technology partners that can quickly address and meet their evolving business needs. Combining our award-winning technology, client-first approach, deep competitive most and scalable SaaS unit economics, we are uniquely positioned to solve client demands by unifying mission-critical systems into one front to back solution, coalescing the underlying data into a single data set, and bridging our client's software needs with middle and back-office technology power services. Given our unique position, we are able to remain focused on evolving our community of global investment managers, continuing to grow our strong position with hedge funds and bringing more institutional asset managers into our community of clients. We use the meaningful relationships forged with our client partners to further land and expand with our portfolio of products and services and increase adoption of our technology-powered services. To fully understand the value proposition of our overall solution, Let's talk a bit more about the underlying problems investment management firms are facing. The majority of solutions available to investment managers today are pieced together as a patchwork task of task-specific point solutions provided by disparate vendors, or a mismatch of internally developed solutions, legacy technology combined through acquisitions, or cost-prohibitive solutions accessible only to the largest investment managers. To the extent available solutions are cloud-enabled, many were originally designed for on-premise installation and later migrated to the cloud individually via discrete code streams, which ultimately retains the inflexible and inefficient single-tenant infrastructure limitations that have made non-cloud-enabled solutions costly and inefficient because the need to make changes for each client individually rather than delivering changes to all clients simultaneously. These limitations lead to error-prone, notorious, and cost maintenance with difficult security requirements. As a result, many investment managers spend considerable time and resources simply managing legacy, stitched together, or disparate systems, fragmented data, communication networks, which increase the complexity of already convoluted workloads. Having an understanding of the challenges asset managers are facing. Now let's discuss why we're winning as evidenced by our third quarter results. As a multi-tenant cloud data solution, we're able to update all clients in one deployment, which allows us to quickly expand our offering, geographic reach, and innovate as opposed to costly and time-consuming tenant-by-tenant deployments. The architecture also allows us to apply one data set to all systems, allowing clients to better communicate across departments, and reduce risk associated with disjointed data. Where some solutions might operate on a stagnant data file, increasing uncertainty and limiting historic analysis, our solution gives clients the ability to communicate trade orders, produce a full suite of accounting statements, utilize our extensive reporting and analytics capabilities, construct and analyze portfolios and performance metrics with granularity and in real time enabling better-informed investing decision-making. When you add all this up, our solution delivers investment managers a tailored suite of tools and investment content designed to help solve their evolving business and operational challenges through next-generation technology. We have discussed why we believe we're winning. Now let me walk you through our strategy to continue winning. As I stated earlier, the investment management system is undergoing change at an unprecedented pace. Yet despite the meaningful demand for next-gen technology, the needs of the industry remain served primarily by legacy-telling solutions that don't adequately address the challenges investment managers face. We estimate that our total addressable market exceeds $19 billion today. According to IDC, Spend on software and IT services by investment management front office and operations functions was estimated at $11.5 billion in 2020 and is expected to grow 6% annually to $14.4 billion in 2024. On top of that, internal IT spend was estimated at $5.7 billion in 2020. We also see an incremental opportunity related to the $2 billion IDP estimates investment managers spend On traditional hardware infrastructure. That trend can be targeted by our solution as our clients migrate their technology and processes to our platform, which we host. In addition to selling subscriptions through demand generated by our global marketing and direct sales efforts, we supplement our internal efforts by leveraging a broad network of global relationships and channel partners, which is global. Geographically speaking, approximately 32% of 2020 net revenue was generated outside of the Americas. Going forward, we see attractive impact opportunities within emerging and developed markets. As such, we're currently opening an office in China and have recently opened an office in Australia. We expect to continue revealing strategic opportunities to expand our global footprint throughout Europe, Latin America, and Asia Pacific. To support our global community of clients, Today, we are globally operating in 10 offices across 8 countries, including the office we recently opened in Australia. In Q3, we added 159 employees globally. We believe these efforts are validated by our outstanding third quarter, during which we signed 59 new clients, including notable wins in each impact, India, and the Americans. Our global client base continues to expand into adjacencies with 14 client signings coming from institutions, family offices, private equity, and other with broad product adoption across portfolio management system, sector and execution management system, or OEMS, and technology-powered managed services. In addition to new client signings, we see existing clients increasingly demand more depth of service, leading to appealing upsell opportunities, including three meaningful upsells across large hedge funds and private equity firms. This was an exciting third quarter and a successful first quarter earnings for Infusion as a public company. We are excited about our performance and all the relationships we've forged during the time. It has also been a wonderful experience being and engaging with our shareholders. Now, before I hand it over to our CFO, Steve Gordon, I'd like to take an opportunity to thank all of our employees across the world I'm humbled by your unwavering commitment to our clients and infusion. I'm continually impressed and inspired by your dedication and convictions to make a lasting contribution to the investment management industry. Thank you for all your incredible work. I certainly would not be here without you. With that said, I'd like to hand it over to our CFO, Steve Jordan.
1: Thanks, Thomas, and thank you to everyone for joining us today. First and foremost, I'd like to reiterate Thomas's comments recognizing the entire Infusion team for the hard work, vision, and dedication that went into our journey to become a public company. Put simply, we wouldn't be here today without all of you. I'd also like to welcome and thank our new shareholders. Given your role and expertise in the investment management industry, we view your partnership as particularly telling. As Thomas mentioned earlier, we had a strong third quarter, with solid execution across the business. Before I go into detail about the quarter, given it's our first public earnings call, I'd like to briefly touch upon our business model. We have a highly attractive software as a service model that combines industry leading platform with technology powered services enabling to facilitate client integration and in shorten of time. Our contract pricing is driven by a combination of cumulative users number of solutions implemented, and utilization of our tech-powered services. Our customer contracts are typically structured with 12-month Evergreen agreements and can be canceled with a 30-day notice. The vast majority of our total revenue is recurring, between 98 and 99% for past two fiscal years, which provides high visibility into future performance due to our strong value proposition, differentiated solution, Client success model. Now let's turn to third quarter results. Total revenue in the third quarter was 29.045 million, up 46.8 percent year over year. Recurring revenue was 29.026 million, up 49.2 percent year over year. Growth was driven by a combination of new local wins and healthy customer expansion activity. ARR in September 2021 was $119.8 up 49.3% year-over-year, and up 11% since June 2021. ARR, our annual recurring revenue, represents the annualized value of active platform and managed services subscriptions from our recurring software products and technology-powered service in the last month of the period. Our ability to upsell to our existing customers continues to drive strong net dollar retention, excluding involuntary churn, which was 125.9% in the third quarter compared to 122.4% last quarter and 110% in the year-ago period. Net dollar retention including involuntary churn was 122% compared to 117.9% last quarter, And 104% in Q3 2020. This metric will vary from quarter to quarter, but we have continued to see strong momentum within our existing customer base, and we continue to upsell our products successfully. As we look into the fourth quarter, we expect this metric to decline by mid to high single digits on the percentage points basis as the anniversary of our 2020 OEMS price increase implemented in November and December of last year, rolls off. It's worth noting that we are particularly pleased with our ARR and the number of new clients added in the quarter, which we believe is indicative of the increasing importance of our end-to-end solution in the industry. During Q3, we signed 59 new clients, which marked another strong quarter. We expect this trend to continue as we broaden our reach into more regions and client segments with a strong product offering. We are proud to say that the addition of 59 new clients brings us up to a total of 686 clients in total as of September 30. Third quarter gross margin is strong, but is lower than past periods as we continue to invest and scale our operations. In Q3, gross margin was 72.1%. This compares to gross margin of 72.7% a year ago. Our gross margin is expected to continue to decline slightly for the coming quarters as we continue to invest and scale with our growing number of clients in ARR. Turning to expenses, our sales and marketing expenses for the third quarter were 4.9 million or 16.9% of total revenue compared to 2.1 million or 10.4% of revenue a year ago. We've made significant investments in sales and marketing Throughout 2021, we expect to continue to invest to expand our market reach. Technology and development expenses for the third quarter were 2.6 million, or 9% of revenue, compared to 1.6 million, or 8.3% a year ago. We are continuing to invest in our research and development team to further our product offering in terms of scope and depth as we hire more developers and expand our product management team. General and administrative expenses for the third quarter were 8.5 million or 29.4% of revenue compared to 4.5 million and 22.8% of revenue a year ago. Our GMA expenses in 2021 were driven by the continued evolution of our executive and management team and the addition of professional hires as part of our public company preparedness. We expect general and administrative expenses to be at or near the same percent for the full year 2021, but to decrease as a percent of revenue as we continue to scale our operations over time. Income from operations was $4.9 million for the quarter, or 16.9% of revenue, compared to $6.2 million, or 31.2% of revenue a year ago. That income for the third quarter was 3.3 million, or 11.3% of revenue compared to 5.6 million and 28.2% of revenue a year ago. These results were driven by increased investment in the business, as I just mentioned, along with increased interest expense for the quarter of 1.5 million this year versus 0.4 million for a year ago. Turning to the balance sheet and cash flow statement, we ended the third quarter with eight point four million in cash and cash equivalents, and term debt outstanding of ninety eight point seven five million. In October, upon completion of the IPO, the outstanding term debt was fully paid down. Operating cash flow for the nine month ended september thirtieth, twenty twenty one, was five point five million compared to twelve point six million a year ago. We have and will continue to invest in our sales and marketing functions with the goal of capturing market share as evidenced by our rapid growth in both revenue and ARR. Finally, let's turn to guidance. For the fourth quarter, we expect revenue to be 30 million to 30.5 million and income from operations to be in the range of negative 293 million to negative 294 million which will be composed primarily of stock-based compensation expense incurred in connection with our IPO. I will now turn it back over to Thomas for closing remarks.
2: Hi Steve, and thank you everyone that has joined us today. We are proud of how we performed in 2.3. The opportunity before us is massive and we're just scratching the surface. Our platform has positioned us to capitalize on the generational shifts our clients are facing by providing them with innovative, technology-driven solutions that enable them to focus on what they do best. I'd like to close by reiterating my gratitude to our employees and partners, as well as the customers and the communities that we serve for giving us this opportunity. Now let's turn it over to our operators for Q&A.
0: Thank you. If you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by one on your telephone keypad. If for any reason you would like to remove that question, please press star button two. Again, for asking questions, press star one. As a reminder, if you're using a speaker phone, please remember to keep your hands up before asking your question. We will pause here briefly if questions are registered. The first question is from the line of James Cossett with Morgan Stanley. Your line is now open.
1: Great, thank you very much, and congratulations on a, a big few months in, in Infusion's uh, business evolution and history. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit, and I think you mentioned this in some of the prepared remarks, but just kind of revisit and expand on what the proportion of new client bookings in the quarter are coming from conversion versus launches, and kind of what that sales cycle is looking like, particularly now that you've um, gone through the IPO process and, and maybe expanded the, the awareness of infusion. That continues to to grow. Well, one thanks for the for your question, um, but as we go into further into the year, we continue to we continue to see a majority of our new clients are coming in, or conversions uh, versus launches. And so, you know, again, as we were going through the, the IPO process and everything else in 2019 and then 2020, we were seeing a majority for launches. And now, as we're adding into 2021, we're continuing to see a majority of our new clients or more and more conversions.
3: Thank you. To add to that,
2: I okay, um, what I would say is, is that our, our business continues to be high velocity across the alts and the institutional segment, and so our sales cycle continues to be Accelerated as a result of what the, the cloud native staff technology has to offer, and so we're continuing to see accelerated uh, sales opportunities effectively being found in the quarter, landed in the quarter, and implemented in that same quarter across our segments, um, and we expect that uh, to continue uh, as we as we continue on our with our journey.
0: Thank you, Mr. Fawcett. The next question is from the line of Borges, Golden Sachs. The line is now open. Great, thank you, and I'll echo like, my congratulations on a really nice quarter and very successful like um Coming back to TK, the comments you are making on the mom that you're seeing I'd love if you could compare and contrast for us any nuances in what you're seeing in the pipeline now versus maybe a year ago. Thank you.
2: Hi, Gabriella. Um, what I would say is, is that the pipeline continues to be strong. Uh, we're seeing an increased level of, of institutions um, entering into the pipeline and evolving nicely. Uh, we're also continuing to see uh, increases in adjacencies uh, within all of our segments, whether that be within the alts, uh, or the institutions, um, and it's continuing to play out the way that it, uh, it, it has, uh, over the course of the past, uh, couple of years, we expect that to continue. And so, just to give you a little bit more color on, on some of those, uh, adjacencies, so, though we are strong and, and, um, and continue to get stronger in the hedge funds, we're starting to see more private equity firms enter into uh, our pipeline, as well as uh, family officers. On the institution side, we continue to see uh, the traditional asset managers, the mutual funds, um, entering into the fray, and the pipeline continues to be strong on all those uh, parameters.
0: Maybe just one follow-up on the hedge fund two of this in particular. Could you give us an update on some of the progress you're seeing with expanding into larger hedge funds?
2: Same thing. Uh, you know, as as the broader market understands or gets to understand more and more what the power of a front-to-back solution really integrated as one solution and, and accessible through the data as cleanly as, as we make it available, uh, I think that... the the reality of of the benefits of that are starting to continue to cascade into larger and larger firms, which is the reason why we're also seeing uh, our client base become bigger in the conversion space. And so, you know, as we are seeing increased activity within the institutions, we are seeing equally, uh, you know, the the increased activity within larger hedge funds. We expect that to continue, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, as we continue to step through this
0: thank you. Thank you, Ms. Morgan. The next my is from Kevin McRae. With credit, please, your line is now open. Great,
2: thanks so much, and my congratulations as well. you a really nice Hey, um, I wonder if you should unpack the revenue growth just maybe directly, how much was new logos versus... So sales and just in clients. Um, I wanted, wanted to start there, and then even within the AR, obviously, just a, a super super outcome uh, in terms of where the came in relative to, to what we modeled. So maybe just I'll try that as well.
1: Yeah, if, if I could, I'll, I'll start with the the number of new logos added during Q three was fifty nine new clients. So those are new firms to infusion. And as you put that to the, uh, you know, the number of new clients that we added in Q1 and Q2, it comes out to be 165 new clients that we've added. And then as you look at our net dollar retention, as you look at the upsell and the opportunity, across the board we are seeing higher adoption in Q3 versus where we were in June for all areas, including OEMS, managed services, market data, uh, and, um, and across the board, so in analytics. That's
2: just helpful. and just real quick, it, it looked like the growth on the revenue was, was super, super strong, but um, any delta between the managed services and the subscriptions, and can we think about that that outfacing the managed services as is, is, is a proxy for the platform, subscription growth, or... In any sense, can around that, because obviously the managed services is
1: admittedly off lower pace so really, really stronger. Yeah, I mean, across the board, we're continuing to see higher adoption. As we're seeing new clients, we're also seeing them coming in and adopting at a higher rate, both OEMS and managed services across the board. And that's both with primarily with the new clients that they're coming on, but also we're seeing uh, higher adoption from our existing clients as well. Just to add to that
2: a little bit a little bit more context, you kinda of have to zoom out and, and appreciate uh both the software and managed services and what that, what that means, uh, you know, for our client partners and in the industry overall. And so if you have uh you know a an operating system that basically has the front-to-back software, and then you have the managed services as a bridge to that software that we own and operate, uh, that we make available to our clients that use the software, we have the ability to basically uh, offer a complete package Uh, almost out of a box to our clients, that allows them to have full flexibility to to pick and choose what they need, but more importantly, you know, pick and choose on the things that they they can effectively outsource to us so that they can focus on, uh, you know, their core business. This combination is a very unique uh, sort of offering uh, when you put it into that context, and we believe that as as the broader market begins to more understand that, that uh, that uh, the, the adoption on managed services will not only grow, but it will also fuel our ability to sell more software uh, as a complete operating system across the all-time investment ITKs. just Super helpful. Thank you so much, TK. Thank you, Mr.
0: McLean. Questions from the line of Kochi each year? the mayor said your line is now open.
2: Okay oh, hey guys, uh, thanks for taking my questions. Congrats on the IPO and your first quarter as a public company. Um just just to kind of build on some of the previous questions here, uh, you know, the fifty-nine new clients, I, I think that's the most quarterly ads uh ever for you guys, you know, definitely in our mo- model. So so congrats on that. Yeah, I guess the question is, you know, what is driving such a good new customer ad metric this quarter from a, from a go-to-market perspective? You know, you guys weren't even public during the third quarter, so the IPO process wasn't really a driver there, I think. Hey, Koji, so it's a great question. Listen, at the end of the day, the product and the service, it speaks for itself, right? Right. Uh, the the strength behind what we're offering and the strength that we're seeing in terms of the the prime the partners that we're landing is indicative of where the market has gone, uh, the consistency in terms of the the quality and the and of the products and services that we deliver and it's just resonating within the community and the community is feeding on itself. And so it's not a surprise to me that that we're winning at the at the adoption levels that we're winning. It is what we expect to see happening, uh, you know, as we continue on this journey. Um, and, you know, I would say that the outcomes of the 59 new clients that we brought in is, is largely in line with what we saw in the year prior quarters. Um, and it's just it's just working. You know, the market is there. Uh, and the market is basically realizing the difference between uh, cloud-native, SaaS, multi-tenant, uh, versus those things that are trying to be that, uh, through, uh, you know, the best they can through legacy technology. That's going to be a, a few steps to Got it, Thomas. Thanks for that. And, and
3: I guess I want to ask you the, the flip side to that question. Now, now you are a public company.
2: you how, how has that process been from, uh, maybe driving new company awareness? So, you know, has the velocity of inbounds or have the discussions, you know, with your prospects or? You know, keep on your pipeline. You know, has that changed at all? It's been awesome. That's the, that's the best way that I can describe it. its it, it has exceeded my expectations in terms of the exposure that we were strategically looking for. Uh, as a profitable company, we were always focused on, you know, a public listing as an opportunity uh, to highlight and accelerate what we do best to highlight and accelerate the value and the impact that we could have uh in helping the overall uh landscape uh transform. And so, you know, we are continuing to be in a unique situation where where all of the amazing institutional investors that we had an opportunity to speak to are actually potential clients. Um, and so and so we were very excited, uh continue to be very excited in terms of the exposure that, that gives and and I'm pleased and honored to say that that, that exposure has added to our our pipeline, um, and it's added to our pipeline at the level of, uh, you know, the larger institutions that we were actively, continue actively looking to bring on. Um, and I think that the education that, that it brings to the market, while we were telling the story and while we continue to tell the story, has just been... Um, it's being very well received, and I expect that to continue. Thanks, Thomas.
0: Appreciate you guys taking my questions. Thanks so much. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Mr. Akita. The next question Thanks. is from the line of Avin Sherry with William Blair. Your line is now open.
3: Hey, you guys. Thanks for my questions. Um uh, Thomas Steven. and doing really, really nice job, so let me echo that, uh, the comments that everyone else has made. Um, I guess I want to touch um, quickly just on, on a follow up that Koji asked, which is when you look at the larger customers and you've seen some sort of the larger traditional institutional management firms um, select you, they've obviously got a bunch of different systems in there, right? Computing systems, whatever, from or whomever. Um, and when they select you, I'd love to speak to or, or, or get some color on how that process works. You know, are you coming in at the portfolio side, the accounting type, and then how do they start pulling out the various pieces that exist that are unintegrated that are sort of kind of prudently integrated spaghetti code and start replacing you? So, so have so you walk us through how that process works?
1: And are you seeing that
3: accelerate? Are you seeing them say, okay, we should put this multi percent path as holistically faster, or is it still sort of piecemeal as they um, go through the various large scale operations
2: they have? That's a great question, Bob. So I'll go backwards in. We are seeing it accelerate we expect to continue to see it accelerate. Um, unilaterally, I would say on the majority of opportunities that we are invited uh, to talk about and to, to explore uh, with compliance has, has largely been, you know, focus or starts with portfolio management system and the accounting, which tends to be, call it the, the central nervous system of everything. It's also... Probably the hardest component to to, to solve for Uh, once you solve for that well everything else is just easier to basically uh, leg into and so generally speaking you know we we have best uh, in class portfolio management and accounting uh, systems uh, where the accounting in the GL is, is literally embedded into the fabric and so when we're able to do that um, you know, moves very, very fast, uh, through that, through the other pieces, uh, on that, you're not doing further implementations, uh, that require further data migrations or what have you. So, so overall, we're, we're reducing the time to implementation, uh, and, and reducing the risks associated that investment managers need to, to consume, uh, which is then accelerating not only the discussions, but uh, opportunity to deprecate legacy systems that are the core of the problems within these larger institutions. And so, if you zoom out, some of these institutions will have lots of different systems that they've procured uh, or created for themselves. And in that, they've sort of bent and twisted these things to do unnatural things. That has created the need for these organizations to have outsized operational costs and workflows. That are handicapping them in terms of their ability to go and take advantage of, of business opportunities that they need to do so quickly. And so when they are, when the underpinning of their problems is focused on that, when we're introduced or invited to talk about how we can help solve for those problems, the appetite to move very fast, to try and figure out how these things can coexist in some instances with things that they absolutely need, and our ability to bring those things to light and light them up faster is just adding to the broader nature of, ah, I understand what cloud-native uh, and multi-tenant actually means. Um, I can see it and touch it faster. And, in, and as, a resu- as a result of that, they're just moving faster and healing some of the, the tensions that they've had in their, in their technology and the tech that they've carried over, over the years. Does, does that help, Robin? Yeah, no, that, that was super helpful.
3: And I guess one what once both of you um you know, around sort of the volatility we're seeing, you know, um there is a good number of your clients that are sort of equity based I was trying I'm sure everybody's as well as aware of in the market. I guess help us think about sort of what visibility you have. But again, I know you're not giving guidance but visibility next year and visibility sort of the sustainability growth, I think that would be um really helpful you. Too. So
2: that's a great question. And so so the best way to think about that, Bobin is we're not a nice to have, right? And so volatility or not, uh, we are mission critical, right? And we're mission critical across the front to back. And so if you are an investment manager, in whichever segment that, that you fall into, all institutions, you need the ability to construct portfolios. You need the ability to account uh, for the activity that's going on, and you need to be, the ability to transact, right? And when you wrap all that around, you need the ability to reconcile, um, you know, your investment books on a, in a real-time basis every single day. And that's what we do. And and whether the markets are, are volatile, whether the markets are undergoing duress,
3: uh,
2: you know, what we've learned is, is that just when the markets are volatile and when clients are in duress where we shine the most, uh, as their as their partners, and so the guidance that I would give you, at least uh, on a qualitative basis, would be that that due to the nature of the mission, criticality of of the services and products that we we deliver, and the manner in which we deliver it, we expect that 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 you know we don't expect that that, that those market conditions will will impact uh, the the needs of of, of what we deliver. Awesome. awesome, thanks, Ms. Hander. I appreciate it, and uh, really nice stuff, guys. Thank
3: you. Thanks, you. Hey,
0: Thank you. Thank you, Mister Siri. The okay. next okay. question is from the line of Kristen Albert. Hi, Christine, your line is now open.
2: Hi, uh, good evening. Thanks for taking my question, uh, Steve. I just wanted to go back. Uh, you referenced the the price increase in uh, November and December of of 2020 on the OEMS side. Um, because just as we look back at the fourth quarter of 2020, there was, like on the quarter-on-quarter quarter basis, a decent acceleration there. Um, so as we think about the fourth quarter of 2021 and the revenue guide there, can you help us quantify the the impact of the pricing change a year ago or, so or, or maybe give us some metrics or color around um, how that's sort of affecting the year-on-year comparisons? Because it seems like it's, it's certainly worth paying some attention to.
1: Yeah, for for sure. And so um last year in q four we were able to put in a pricing increase that um that was around, you know, it, it did to your point increase our net dollar retention rate uh um, by around, let's call it nine points or so. And that was done primarily for what we did was we um implemented a price increase only for the prime broker, so it did not impact our end client. And we were able to do that within a matter of about six weeks in the months of November and December. And now we have continued to see the net dollar retention continue to grow quarter over quarter. But in q 4 we are going to see that price increase roll off. And so we will expect a, a slight decline as you look at our net dollar retention rate. Now, a couple of things to point out. One is, as we look at our price increases, one, we do have an annual price increase built into our contract. So as our clients get to their annual renewal, there is already a price increase that is, uh, you know, put in, right? Beyond that, we do think that there is some opportunity for other price increases in the future. And as we go through this, we will just make sure that that is, one, it will likely be tailored around specific products. Or specific modules as we go forward. Does that give you kind of the insight that you were looking for? Yeah, it, it, exactly. And you even uh, uh, got ahead of my second question
2: on your philosophy on price increases. So appreciate that. Uh, then just on the um, on the expense side for of um, the income statement, thinking about the, I think the 159 employees you added in the quarter. You heard from some other firms out there that it is getting more competitive and expensive and, you know, inflation out there also in terms of, of hiring. Um, is that something we should be thinking about going forward, particularly as you expand more in Asia and Australia and, and other geographies, or, or are you sort of normal and steady state in terms of hiring and lots of new employees? So I think we we've, we've invested in in our business across the board. Um, how I would uh, contextualize the question and and give a little guidance would be, you know, philosophically, we're always in the search for the best talent that that we can find in the market globally. Uh, to the extent that we can find that talent, um, you know, uh, with individuals that fit our principles and our values. Uh, we will aggressively uh you know look to 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 attract the best folks that we can find that will help us you know add perspective and diversity um, and experience uh, and bring the necessary skills to help generate new ideas that help us to further our ability to to have the kind of impact that that we're currently having today and then some and so uh, we, we find ourselves in a very strong position where talent is coming in our direction as a result of the exposure and the impact that we're having. And we're going to continue to lean in on that um, and look for uh, the, the right folks that, that can help evolve some of the vision that that we have. On the and I just want to wind it back a little bit on the price price increases. This is how I would think about price increases that, that we have the capability to do. We measure price increases on impact. Right? And the value that we deliver to our partners. Uh, we don't look at price increases just for the sake of price increases. I think there's some durability in that way of thinking. Uh, we have strong unit economics where we have, uh, extreme, uh, pricing power. Uh, but everything will be tethered towards the value that we deliver and, uh, the, the value that we, re- we should receive. In delivering those products and services in that way, and I think that there's parity uh, in in how our partners think about it, uh, which is the reason why when we when we when we have done our last increase that it was able to be done so quickly. Does that help? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. It it certainly does, and actually, the
1: the follow up on the the pricing philosophy.
0: Thank you, Mr. Governor. The last question is from Parker
1: Lane. Your line is now open. Hi, thanks for taking my question and congrats on a very solid first quarter at a gate. Uh Tom, there's a lot of different personas that are served by your platforms, different uh, solutions and modules. Who do you find the biggest advocate in of the managers typically is to um, you know push for a change of systems and a move into the cloud?
2: That's a a great question, and that's the beauty of the front-to-back that we have to offer. And so, if you zoom out just for a second, what our clients are trying to solve for is as their assets and their management grow, they're looking for better profitability, right? What's happening, generally speaking, is is that the profitability is not correlated uh, to the assets and their management growth that they're seeing, and that's creating... Some level of challenges and duress and so so when 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 leadership in in our clients organizations are looking to solve problems at that most basic level uh, the the nature of the front to back that 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 we have to offer, the personas that are that that are getting involved to make the decisions well, first of all, it's diluting any one individual's ability to basically you know, say yes or no, and it's spreading it across the organization all the way from the CEO to the portfolio manager, the CIO, to the traders and even the ops people. Uh, And so, you know, more times than not, um, as we come across, you know, being invited to to explain the value proposition that we offer, the personas are spread across the business and technology and, and, and infrastructure and in many ways, the the operations people and the finance people are 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 equally as passionate about uh pushing for uh for us as is the 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 CIO or the perpetrator. The and so we're seeing a healthy dose of personas being spread across. Um, and we're we're actually quite excited about that because, you know, in doing that we're seeing the impact that we're having throughout the investment firm from front to back.
1: Does that help yeah, great feedback there. Maybe um, one last one. Uh, really solid net dollar retention here and very low churn. If we think about the reasons that those customers that churn decided to do so, um, can you walk us through maybe the, the number one or two different um, you know solutions they're either moving towards or what was the reason that they decided to work working enough value for an institution was? If I can real quick, so again, once again the the vast vast majority of any turn that we see is from involuntary, and so um you know today the the involuntary is firms that are no longer investing that are no longer in business um you know so so they're not using our platform and so when you look at beyond the involuntary, it is extremely, extremely low.
3: yeah, got it thanks. Steve.
0: Thank you, Mr. Lane. Again, to ask a question, press star one. There are no additional questions waiting at this time. I'll now pass the conference over to the speakers for any closing remarks.
2: Thank you all for taking the time to to speak with us. It was it was great to share our our performance. Um, and we look forward to having further conversations and uh, updates for you in the very in near future. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you.
0: That concludes the infusion third quarter fiscal year 2021 earnings call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect your line.